Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Talk to him. Attorney, high-performance coach, and speaker Cherie Prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick. From starting a business, marketing, strategies, and the ins and outs of their industries. We talk everything from book recommendations, lifestyle hacks, and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business. The Play Big Faster podcast starts now. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We are joined today by the one and only scribe coach, Penda James. Hi, Penda. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, when I first ran across you and I saw the word scribe coach, I'm like, okay, I kind of think I know what that means, but can you break it down for us? Absolutely. I believe that scribes record history. Sometimes they need support to get the words out of their mind and heart onto the paper and that's what I do. I help them get unstuck, execute their goals, and inscribe their legacy. So how does one become a scribe coach? This is a really interesting question. Now, I don't know if there are other people who call themselves a scribe coach, but it's a term that I have trademarked. I would have to say that when I was in college at Wilberforce University, I learned about what it means to be a griot or a griot, which in Africa is the people who were the storytellers and they kept the history going. And as I began to study that word, I came across the word scribe. And I really thought about how important it is for us as people to write our stories and record our history. And that's how I became a scribe coach. Now, in addition to being an author yourself, exactly what do you do with individuals who are seeking to write books and other and other written works? Well, I create a safe place for people who have a story to tell their story and make it make sense. Sometimes my clients will come to me and they have thoughts written on napkins or in journals or text messages, and they're all over the place. I believe that God has given me a gift to see it all the way through. I can see their their book. It's almost like um, have you ever seen movies where people are thinking and the words are swirling all around them? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I look at people, I see that. Like I literally can see their books coming out of them. And when they come to me, I create a safe space for us to talk about sometimes very sensitive or tender topics and to build their courage to tell their story. So what? Which came first? Did you become an author first or did you start actually helping people see their vision to fruition first? Nobody has ever asked me that question before. That is a great question. When I was in college, my senior year, I was working for our magazine or the newspaper. It was called the Mirror Newspaper. And I wasn't a communications major, but I was the editor in chief for one semester. I was coaching the writers to make sure that their stories made sense and they captured all the, the key points and components of what they were trying to get. That came first. I didn't start writing. I was writing while I was in college and submitting you know, stories and poetry and 
doing spoken word, things like that. But I didn't become serious about my own writing to publish it until 1999. And at that time, I was participating in a public allies. Public allies is the domestic Peace Corps. And I did a service term for public allies in Cincinnati, Ohio. And part of what Public Allies does is personal development. So every Friday, we sat in a circle and had to do all these personal development exercises and activities. At that time, I was turning 25. And I don't know if I felt like an old lady, you know, no offense to senior citizens. I don't mean it that way. But I, I don't know if at that time turning 25, I felt like I was old. And I didn't understand, like, why am I not married and why do I not have children? And I really want to get my doctorate. All these things were kind of swirling through my mind. And in those circles, I started to ask people, what does it really mean to be a woman? Like, I was spending time with my mom and my grandmothers. They were all alive at that time. And in those personal development circles, personal development training times with my public allies colleagues, They heard my questioning and started to give me pieces of writing that they were writing to honor like their mothers and their daughters and their grandmothers or themselves. And those became my first book, which is Free to Fly Wisdom for the Seasons in a Woman's Life. And in that book, I wrote about some very difficult things that had happened in my life. And I think it was the first time that I was able to understand that process, which is the work that I do now as a scribe coach, that when you write about things that are really hard for you, in my case, it was that I had been violated by a neighborhood boy. I wrote about it. I cried. I threw my journal across the room when I finished. But at the other side of it, I felt much better and I felt empowered. And I knew that telling my story was going to help other people. And that became the premise of the work that I do. I know that was a long answer to your short question, but. But no, that is so powerful now. And, and I heard you say that was your first book, but not your last. How many times have you published personally? <laughs> that is a great question. So I have six books. I have Uh, Free to Fly, which was the first book, it actually took 10 years to complete that process. So I started in 1999 and it wasn't published until 2009. And part of that was because some of the people that I was working with to bring this book to manifestation were going through difficult things in their life. And for all of us, not really knowing how to, to stand on our truth It was easier for me as the compiler of this anthology to just say, we're not doing it. And now I understand that as a scribe coach, when people come to me with things that are are really sensitive to them, that I just need to walk with them and, and not give them permission to put it down. So Free to Fly came first. Then I had Girl Walk With Me, Girl Pray For Me, which is Moving Towards Unpluckable Faith. Girl Walk With Me came after that. It was written while my mom was making her transition. And it's the follow-up to Girl Pray For Me. I have a couple journals that I've written. Wrote a book with my daughter called Dandelion Dance, which is a children's book. And I also have published several authors who 
written books. My niece is six and she has a dream to go to Disney World. So I published a book for her called Sugar Stories. My nephew has alopecia and he wrote his story about living with alopecia. He's 10. I have assisted several people with journals and, you know, telling their personal life stories. I'm pretty proud of the library that I have, but I think my most meaningful book is Girl Pray For Me, Moving Toward Unpluckable Faith. And the reason for that, Miss Sheree, is because during that time I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my husband was a youth pastor. And we had a lot of adult volunteers who would come and work with the young people. And they would always pull me to the side and tell me about dreams and goals that they had. I was a child welfare caseworker. So of course, all my clients were telling me about all the dreams and goals that they had. But I recognized that there were about 20 people in church on my job, clients, community activities, who would consistently tell me things that they wanted to do in their life. And when I would go back to them, they all, no lie, said the same thing. I would say, Cherie, how's that goal coming? You said you want to go to law school. And they would look at me, laugh and say, girl, pray for me. That became the title (laughs) of my book. And literally when I sat down, I wrote Girl Pray For Me in 30 days. I had all of them in mind. I invited them, not my clients, of course, but I invited some women from church and women from the community to a brunch. I told them that they had all inspired me to write this book and we had a prayer service and that's how Girl Pray For Me came to pass. It's the most meaningful project for me because I think most times those that's the one that people come back and tell me has been impactful. As a writer, as a, you know, artist, people you as Erica Badu said, we are sensitive. And so I definitely do want someone to tell me, "Oh, that was a really good poem or that was a really great piece that you wrote, it really touched me. And I think I get the most feedback from this book. And, you know, I've had an opportunity to to review Girl Pray For Me. And I mean, it is very impactful. But now the thing that's really interesting is that you don't just work with people with books. You also, do you work with other mediums as well? Music, scraps? Yes. Music, films, plays, dissertations, poetry. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've assisted people to complete their dissertation, curriculums. Some have had clients who've come to me to write a book, but then realize they didn't want to actually publish the book and turn their material into a course, like a mastermind course. So I can do that. I've assisted with with videos. I mean, all kinds of creative expansion really is an expression has come from inscribed inspiration and my work as a scribe coach. I really give all the glory to God. Like I could, I I just can't, sometimes I sit and look back, like I have done some amazing things and supported amazing people throughout the country. Well, listen, I heard you also drop a few gems. Now, did I hear Wilberforce? I went to Wilberforce University. Proud graduate, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I guess it is allergy season because I'm getting hoarse as well. But tell us in terms of your educational journey, how has that informed what you do as a scribe coach? This is a really great question. Okay, Wilberforce University is a a predominantly 
black college. So, you know, people who don't know, it's an HBCU. It's in a small town, Xenia, well, Wilberforce, Ohio, near Dayton, Columbus, Cincinnati. And it was founded in 1856 as an institution for the children of slave owners. (laughs) So basically, when I was at Wilberforce, I learned, and let me just take a step back before that. My father told us all that we, we needed to go to HBCUs. And literally during that time, we used to have to sit and watch the Lou Rawls Parade of Stars. I don't know if you remember that. Oh my gosh, look, I do. I grew up watching that. (laughs) So I always knew that I was going to go to an HBCU, but can I be honest? I really wanted to go to Jackson State. And when it came, I wanted to go to Jackson State. I do know. Could you give me a t-shirt? Like I really wanted to go to Jackson State, but I had to go where the money was. And being at Wilberforce, Not only did I understand about the importance of passing on our history, the importance of really telling our stories, because as a as a people and as a culture, African-Americans have just such resilience and strength that we need to talk more about. And on top of that, I come from, you know, grandparents who were both college graduates and not. So on my mom's side, both of my grandparents went to college and were educators. My grandfather went to college on my father's side, but grandma didn't. But I learned as much wisdom from all four of them as I would have if I had gone, you know, had the opportunity to get my PhD. Wilberforce, I think, lit the fire in me for who I am as a Black woman and the role and the responsibility that I have to make sure that I carry on a legacy that's positive and powerful. So, okay, listening to you describe your journey, it doesn't sound as traditional, but if there was someone who wanted to do what you do, what advice would you give them in terms of becoming a scribe coach or working with people in the same way that you work with people to get their vision out there? I'll just say it this way. I think that we all have a responsibility to to each other in that we need to make sure that every part of our history is captured. So there's not necessarily a formal, like I am educated and have been trained and have a life coaching certification and all these things. But who I am as a writing coach is not the same as the millions of other writing coaches out there. There are people who do the work that I do. They just sit down. They help people tell their stories. They ghostwrite for them. They do all that. I think what Penda brings to the table or what Cherie or Janice or whoever you are, what you bring to the table is your expertise and the niche that you have. What makes me stand out is that I know what it's like to have a book stuck in you for 10 years. And the reason why you couldn't get it out was because you were afraid to tell your story. I know what it feels like to live through grief and to be disappointed and not be able to fulfill some of your dreams. I know that. And I also know the importance of writing that journey so that somebody else can skip some of the levels that I fell into. I think one of the my favorite stories in the book, Girl Pray For Me, is a story of a young lady that I knew who I thought she went to Spelman. Like I thought that, that, because every time I saw her, she had on a Spelman sweatshirt. I thought that that's where she went, but it was her desire to go. And for some reason, I don't know what the reason was, she didn't get accepted. 
and had to go with her second choice, which was a different university. But at that university, she became the queen of the thing and the captain of the cheerleading squad. Like she gave her all in her second choice and it was the best thing for her. I think that if somebody wants to learn how to be a a writing coach, study writing, read books, listen to people, help them tell their stories. When you're sitting with your children or your grandparents or your boss, take notes, pull out your record. Is it okay for me to record? Because what you said was really, really good. I think we all have a responsibility to do that for each other. And it doesn't necessarily have to have the title of scribe coach, but we can coach each other. So tell me, what does it look like to work with you? Do you have limited term engagements or is it just case by case? (laughs) My sweet spot is 60 days. I will love to get you finished within 60 days if you come ready. Now, people who stretch it out for longer than that, are are just because they say they want to finish their book, but they don't really commit the time or resources to the process. To work with me, my, my love language is quality time. So I cannot, I am not the right coach for somebody who doesn't have time. I need you to talk to me so I can talk you through your steps and ask you questions and get into your mind and help you see the bigger picture, the vision of what you're trying to do. I'm not trying to make things happen for people because it's what I want for me. I'm trying to fulfill my assignment to help other people fulfill their assignment, if that makes sense. So, okay, I'm going to have to get you to unpack some of this. You took us from 10 years on your first book to 60 days working with someone. So, like, how is that 60 days structured, ideally? Okay, so let's go back to the 10 years. The book was done, Cherie. It was done. I had all, I did everything I needed to do. It was published in a little chat book so I could raise money and it was done. And I let it sit for 10 years because I was, because I was afraid of that one story of being violated by my neighbor. So if, if somebody comes to me with something that they've started and left alone 60 days, I have eight steps in my process. Everybody has to go. Some people try to skip around, but I've learned that when I don't follow the process, it's not good for me and it's not good for my clients. But the inscribe me process is is something that God kind of showed me. So you start, we have a, a scribe profile and then we have a coaching session. In our coaching session, it helps me to understand if we're a good fit for each other and I do charge for that because sometimes in the past I've had people, I've given them an hour of my time and then two weeks later their book was done and I never heard from them again. I just saw them on social media holding a copy of their book. So I didn't start it to have to charge for my coaching consultation. It's a very nominal fee, $150, but you get a detailed document that has all of your your whys and it has your audience and who your unpluckable faith community is. That's a term that I use. It comes from John 10, 28. When I was working on that free to fly, it only took me about 60 days to finish it. But I had somebody who was in my ear every day. That's how it really got. She was helping me unpack a box 
and she found the book in the box and was like, what is this? And she starts flipping through it and I'm trying to snatch it from her. Like, no, that's nothing. And she's like, you need to publish this. And within 60 days, it was done. That's who I am. I become that. You need to finish it. This is your vision. You need to finish it. Then we have our scribe coaching sessions and scribe coaching. It consists of, you know, sometimes people just want to sit with me so they can write. And we just sit on Zoom for an hour. I set timers and they write for 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. Or I just sit there and work on other things and we write. Other times it's us literally reading their manuscript so they can hear it and they can hear places where it's empty or missing things. And then we go into revision. So step three and four go to hand in hand where we are coaching and we're making revisions at the same time. Step five, we're looking at book branding. We're looking at infrastructure. Then we're starting to do the pre-planning. And then step eight, you are a scribe. Some people can get done in 60 days, but they have to be committed to the process. But some packages and some clients can go longer. They just are on a subscription that goes longer. But I get to the, I always think it's important to associate a timeline. When we start, we, we said, what is your ideal date of completion? Even if they don't hit that ideal date of completion and it's in the 60 days or maybe it takes, you know, five or six months for them to finish, that's okay. We just keep moving the deadline because the deadline gives them a target. I can finish this. I'm working towards something. And that's that's the hope. And I've had clients who've gotten all the way to the end of the process and felt like they're their process was all that they needed and they never published their book. Wow. Okay. Well, Pendant, look, thank you so much for spending time with us and explaining what you do. And sincerely, the work that you do is needed and very necessary. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate this opportunity to talk about my work and the wonderful work that I do with scribes. Well, until next time, this has been another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Do you want to start your own business? Confused about where to begin? Not sure if you can do this? I'm glad you made your way here. Cut through the confusion. I invite you to join in on the five-day Play Big Faster Challenge. You'll get step-by-step -step guidance on how to start and scale your dream business faster. Five days perfectly structured. Build the business you've always dreamed of without spending tons of money and hiring consultants or a lot of staff. Join the challenge today at www.playbigfaster.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. I've already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.